has come to your little town, Sheriff. You're gonna need a bigger boat. Be my victim. Hello, my name is Austin Torres, and welcome to the Would You Die podcast, the show where we talk about our favorite horror monsters and villains. Today, I'm continuing my Ghostface conversation with dark fiction writer and my friend Lex Vranick. Because let's face it, friends, these days you got to have a sequel. Although technically, this really isn't a sequel. Anyways, our scream talk continues in three, two, one. I guess I should say who my number two is. Yeah, we're up to that now. It's my previous number one. I'm changing it up oh, for okay. the moment. Okay. But right now I'm going to go with Stu. Okay. All right. The original Unhinged. Mm-hmm. The I'm feeling woozy here. The one oh, with God. all the iconic lines. Yes. And liver alone mm-hmm. like oh and the one that always gets to so me many is, good... my my parents are gonna be so mad at me or my mom's gonna be so my mad my mom at and dad are gonna be so mad at me and you're so like funny. no way he goes in that falsetto yeah and you're I like i love funny. that <laughs> you've done so much to make so many more people mad right and i just love in a way that his death is kind of like the spiritual successor to the iconic Freddy Krueger Nightmare on Elm Street Part Three Dream Warriors. Mm-hmm. Welcome to prime time, bitch. Good. Yes, yes. Wes Craven. Which, that's my f- like an icon. <laughs> and that's my favorite Freddy moment of the whole series. Oh yeah. Oh, it's one of the best. I love that so so much. So I am a big fan of Stu in every sense. And he's usually my number one. He really is. But on this podcast, at this moment, I'm putting in him at number two. Okay. And I'm giving the number one spot to Jill. It's well-deserved. It's very well-deserved. I just love how far ahead she was. Mm-hmm. So ahead of the times. Oh, yeah. Jill is the perfect ghost face now, mm-hmm. but she was ghost face in 2011. And that's insane to me. Yeah, that was probably... I think that that, because there were like times within Scream 4 that I was kind of like, eh, like a little iffy on it when I first watched it. And and again, I was younger and kind of turned off to all the reboots coming out at the time. So even Mm -hmm. though it was kind of making commentary on that, I was kind of just tired. But that reveal won me over to the movie and that's what got me to come back again and again and really appreciate it now it's like one of my top screen movies I absolutely love four and Jill is a huge part of that she was a brilliant choice for Ghostface it's just like her reasoning her motive her uh her line where she's like what am I supposed to do go to college go to grad school Mm -hmm. work (laughs) And I'm watching that now and I'm like, look at what I'm doing, working like a sucker. Exactly. Like Jill was right. That's what we all wound right. up doing. And like, listen, I'm not going to go to her extreme to avoid all of this, but she had a point. I'm not going to make any promises. Um, <laughs> no, I am going to make a promise. I'm not. <laughs> Sometimes I forget. Oh, yeah. Other people are listening to this. This is recorded. <laughs> 
I'm <laughs> publishing it. What am I doing? <laughs> yeah, you got to be careful what you say. Yeah, exactly. Like, I would not be a good ghost face, one, because I'm not a killer. Two, because I do shit like that. But three, <laughs> I think I could come up with some quips. So oh, yeah, for sure. I, I, I would be like the ghost face ghost writer. Okay. Like, like you're behind the scenes being like, all right, say this next. Exactly. Yeah. Don't kill me, Mr. Ghostface. I'll write jokes for you. <laughs> I love it. Because <laughs> clearly he doesn't care if you want to be in the sequel. Exactly. So I got to I got to suck up to him a little bit yeah. and try and <laughs> try and get what I can. But yeah, those are my Ghostface rankings. Only took about 30 minutes. But yeah, <laughs> it's okay. a couple we, tangents. We went, yeah, we went on a few tangents. It's all good. But you like know a, what? This might be a two-parter, so we're good. You like it, huh? <laughs> We've been talking for a while. I, I love, I love this franchise. Quick question: Do you want to do your rankings now, or mm. I'll give you a choice? Ooh, okay. Rank the Scream films. Ooh, okay. I'll try to rank them. I will do my best because I feel like this is one of the things. Like whenever somebody asks me, like, "Oh, what are your favorite?" movies or what are your favorite books or what are your favorite whatever it's in a yeah. constant rotation right like I don't have a solid listing I'm just kind of like what I'm feeling in the moment is what I will answer and, and can like I say I, something real quick yeah go for it I have had the same favorite movies since I was three years old really I've never changed it see I've had the same like I usually when people ask favorite movie I usually just go Jurassic Park because that's like yeah I, I always know that I love that one and it usually doesn't move out of the number one spot. But if somebody's like, list your top five, I will either rotate the same five or kind of swap a couple of out from like my entire top 10. It's either that or forget every single movie I've ever watched in my entire life or even looked at in my entire life. It's one or the other. Either I have too many options or none at all. I get that, but I always have the same answer for my favorite movie. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like the unquestioned the undisputed champion of Austin's favorite movies. Nothing has ever touched it. <laughs> You're like, and it's no. your favorite movie. It's Jurassic Park. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can't go wrong, right? Like, And it stands the test of time, right? It's 20 yeah. years old, right? It's as old as I am. So it's 28 years old. And it's still mm -hmm. as good as it was when it came out in 1993. And that is so rare. It's going to turn 30, which is yeah, awful which to right say. <laughs> That, that means that I'm turning 30 soon and I'm not going to think about it right now. <laughs> like but I said, you are aging me. <laughs> but you know what? People are like, hey, it's your birthday. It's like, no, it's Jurassic Park's 30th anniversary. I don't know what you're talking about. There you go. There you go. It's not about me. It's about Jurassic Park. Exactly. And <laughs> I am unfortunate. I am not in the same birth year as the great Jurassic Park. Mm. I was 94. Okay. So I get okay films like The Shawshank Redemption, Pulp Fiction, Forrest Gump, The Lion King, Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Mm -hmm. it's None not of those are Jurassic Park. Park. No, they're not. They're not. Fuck, so 94 many... was stacked, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was. No, not, 94 had a lot. Because even I was thinking like, oh, what's my favorite movie from 94? And like The Crow immediately popped into my head. The five I just listed, I'm like, okay, to a lesser extent, Wes Craven's New Nightmare. I'm sorry. It's not Shawshank. But... No. <laughs> <laughs> Wes Craven's New Nightmare is my favorite Nightmare on Elm Street film. 
and it's one of my favorite like horror movies i'd say top 20 okay yeah no that's definitely fair it's a great movie so i mean honestly Wes craven new nightmare come out in 95 that'd be my favorite 95 film <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it came out in the same year as shawshank pulp fiction the lion king yeah, no there there was a lot for it to compete against 94 was a, yeah. apparently a very good movie year and that's when I was born. So, so that's another so thing that you came were out in 94. <laughs> exactly. But 93, like, that's the year of Spielberg. Yeah, it was. Yeah. The one two punch of Schindler's List and Jurassic Park. Mm -hmm. Two of the greatest films for very different reasons. Yes. <laughs> and you also get The Fugitive in there. I love yep. that movie. Yep, you've got the fugitive. I'm I'm very happy that Hocus Pocus was in that year as well. Um, something mm -hmm. that I grew up with. Yeah, '93 had some hits. Yeah, no, it's definitely a banger year for sure. People born in '95, I'm sorry, y'all suck. What came yeah. out in '95? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know, right? Like now I'm thinking like, oh, what came out then? But no, none of them are I think here. Apollo 13 did. Okay, all right. All right, they've got something. And I think Braveheart did too, but I'm sorry. I, Apollo 13 is a much better film than Braveheart. I would agree with that. I would definitely If you If you're going to fight me on my Roman opinions, I'm calling you Braveheart fans out. Apollo 13 was better. <laughs> oh God, now the Braveheart fans are going to come for you. Freedom! Okay, that's a good movie too. Like, I, I'm not I mean, hating on it, but... No, it, it's a great movie and it's just, you know, anybody can argue with any of our rankings of any movies, right? And, and that's what's fun about having these discussions is that we all have these different opinions. Yeah, but they would be wrong. I mean, it's <laughs> true, but they're also entitled to their wrong opinions. <laughs> See, you get it. We get, we're on the same page and I love it. I'm actually double checking. Okay, yeah, it was Braveheart and that beat Apollo 13 and 95. How okay. do you, Babe? Babe was 95? Babe was, and it was nominated for Best Picture. This is so interesting because this is like the second time wow. that I've heard Babe come up like this week. And I have not thought about that movie in a very long time. I was talking to my friend Josie on the podcast and she brought up Babe. <laughs> and I was listening to was, I, Buffering the Vampire Slayer and they just did an episode where they were talking about an episode where there was a pig and they were making all these Babe references. And I was like, when was the last <laughs> time I watched the pig movie? And now maybe, I don't know, maybe the universe is telling me to watch Babe. Maybe I need to watch it too. A double feature with Apollo 13. There we go. 95 movies. <laughs> okay, so 95 is not... Okay, Leaving Las Vegas was in 95. Okay. Um, Mr. Holland's Opus is a really good movie. Mm -hmm. So, Oh, Casino? Casino oh. came out in 95? All right, How was that not nominated for Best Picture? <laughs> the Usual Suspects came out? Okay, so I was wrong. 95 is a banger year, too. 96, what y'all doing? Y'all well, are the... Had Scream, so... Oh yeah, what am I doing? <laughs> we, we've we've come full circle again. We've walked right back. We've into come full circle. So yeah, Ghostface ranking. Um, not Ghostface ranking. Art Ghostface ranking. Scream rankings. Which ones did you choose? Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll go for the Scream rankings since we just kind of talked through okay. all the places. Um, so I did Ghostface. You did Scream. I think yeah. that's fair. Um, and and I think unfortunately at the bottom I am going to have to say Scream Three. As much as I love it, it's just. Again, there is no bad Scream movie, right? There's no such yeah, thing yeah. as a bad Scream movie, but I, I would argue that Scream 3 is the messiest. Okay. I'm not arguing that. It's you, yeah. Our rankings are aligned so far. Um, so I'm sorry. If you love Scream 3 listening, 
it's it's a very good film. And oh, if it's your favorite, you are right. Exactly. Everybody, but not to no us. Matter what, <laughs> no matter what your favorite Scream movie is, you are correct because yeah. they're all good. And I'm kind of ranking them on very steady Verizon bars that are very close together, right? Like they're, they're for not- For sure, for sure. And then I feel like I would- See, I, I feel weird ranking five because I don't know it as well. And so I feel like that's mm-hmm. why I'm kind of going to put it towards the bottom. Um, and and I also do have some issues with some aspects of it. Um, and that's probably just because I haven't watched it and really dissected it yet. And so I have mm-hmm. uh, these knee-jerk reactions to certain things that I kind of just need to sit with for a little bit. But I really do like, I love the movie. I love the homage to Wes Craven. Um, I love that he felt very present in the movie, even though he obviously was not a part of it. He still was. Um, and they really acknowledge that. I yeah. love the cast members. It's just not as endeared to me as the other ones that I've watched 5,000 times. So, I'm and just, I think that's the reason. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Like I need to sit with it a little bit yeah. more and then maybe it'll, while we're, up. while we're talking about it again, I just want to say, I'm very happy that now I never met Wes Craven. Clearly. I don't know him never did. And he's unfortunately been passed away for a few years now. But from what I've heard from his interviews, which I've, you know, scoured the internet for reading Mm -hmm. or listening to, I just think he was such a man that appreciated the art of horror. Agreed. And if he were, it's hard to say, because like I said, I don't know him. He could have very different opinions about this film, but it just feels like a film. For me, the new screen feels like a movie he would have made. Yes. Yeah, I feel that. It's hard to say because, like I said, I don't know him. <laughs> exactly. Like, we're we're basing this opinion off of watching his films and equating yeah. his film with what he has put into the world. But I also kind of feel like, and I felt the same way when I walked out of the new Spider-Man movie. When I walked out of it, I was mm-hmm. kind of like, I feel like I have never met Stanley. I never had that opportunity, but I feel like this is a movie that he would have loved. And I kind of felt the same way walking out of Scream 5, that if for whatever reason, Wes Craven was still here, but was unable to make Scream 5, I think that if this was still the movie that was made, he would have really appreciated it and would have loved it. And again, I I cannot speak for him, but that's just the feeling. I got. And what the new Scream did, which I think is amazing and it blew me away, is it is so clear and clearly in love with what came before. Yes. But it is more importantly its own thing. It's new. Yeah, because I think it would have been very, very easy for this film to kind of fall back into the old traps of other franchises, right? Because we're we're seeing a lot of these franchises kind of rehash themselves. And some of them kind right. of stumble along the way because you fall into not putting enough of a fresh perspective into it. Right. Because like I I've already watched Halloween. I don't need to watch Halloween again. I need something new. And in the same way that I feel like the 2018 Halloween movie gave me what I love about the franchise with something new. The Scream movie did that and really, really well. Exactly. And it pays homage to Wes Craven and the legacy characters. Mm -hmm. And I think we get the best Dewey portrayal in this film. Agreed. By a long shot for me, at least. And Sydney is badass as always. And Mm -hmm. Gail is amazing as always. It's not their film. 
Right, right. We, it is truly the film with a new cast of Sam and Tara and Mindy and Chad. Yeah, we brought in this new generation. Which is something that for me, Scream 4 didn't do. Scream 4 brought in a new generation, but it was Sydney's film still. Yes, it very much relied on those legacy characters and especially Sydney. Whereas I think that, and, and it was kind of a risk in my opinion for them to kind of hold off on bringing in the legacy characters. And I do kind of feel like the exposition yeah. of Scream 5 felt very long because they were laying down all this groundwork because a groundwork that the other films didn't really have to put down because they were working off of Sydney Dewey Gale. This one right. was kind of like, okay, we have to introduce you to these people. And then for me, the pace picked up once Dewey came in and brought in Gale and Sydney. But I think that it would it was still a really smart move from a writing perspective and a filmmaking perspective to hold off on bringing in those legacy characters because it kind of set the tone of this is a scream movie sydney is in it but this isn't about sydney this is about ghostface this is about this new group of characters and this is about scream right this is a scream yeah. movie about the scream franchise and i want to clarify my statement earlier that's not a critique on scream 4 mm -hmm. it's just an observation of what's different yes yeah because scream 4 is about remakes Mm -hmm. Scream 5 is about requels, and those are two very different things. Yes, things that feel similar in a lot of ways, but that are executed very differently. I think a good example to differ, to, um, differ them is Halloween. Look at 2007's Rob Zombie's Halloween mm -hmm. and Halloween 2018. That is the difference between Scream 4 and Scream yes. 5. Yeah, absolutely. They're, they're doing two different things. Right. And from a meta perspective, which is what Scream does, it takes a meta perspective yes. on horror movies, sequels, trilogies, remakes, and now requels. They're, they're talking about these different subjects and the movies are very much written towards talking about those subjects. Right. And I love that about mm -hmm. it. I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about Scream 5, but we got to go to your yeah. um, third ranking. Yeah. So I would probably go with Scream 2, which again, mm -hmm. I, I love very, very much. And these are all like, they're just standing next to each other. Right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, but it's just, I, I really, really enjoyed it. It has really great moments. I loved seeing Sarah Michelle Gellar fresh off of the first <laughs> Buffy. Um, really wonderful. To, like 1997 was truly the year of Sarah Michelle Gellar um, because that was also the same year that um, I Know What You Did Last Summer came out. It was when Buffy- Oh shit! And it was in, and she was in Scream 2. And so she was just all over the place in horror. And it was great. I, um, I didn't realize that was I all in the same year. I'm if I'm wrong, somebody can correct me on that, but I'm pretty sure I know what you did last summer was 97. And like, I wouldn't have known I was three. <laughs> exactly, right? Like we were babies at that point. We we should not have been watching these things, but looking <laughs> back on it now, right? These are like little time capsules of what the world looked like when we were three and four years old. I do have to say, you're talking about 97. We were talking about movie years. You know what else came out in 97? What else? Some of you might be inclined to think i'm thinking of one of the most iconic films titanic with the best song ever made my heart will go on yes but i am in fact thinking of the lost world jurassic park oh that's right 
That is right. Huh. Which I think is an underappreciated sequel. I agree. I definitely agree. I will say that I liked the book better than the movie and I wish that the oh, movie oh yeah <laughs> and and I'm not like I'm usually not a the book is better than the movie always person I very much see um books and movies as two different mediums to tell stories yeah oftentimes you do have to make changes because things that work in a novel when you can get a little bit more introspective on the page might not necessarily translate well on film and so you kind of and of course, for time, right? Because if you remade every book with every beat, we would be sitting down watching like 10 hour movies for some books. And right. that's not practical. But I do wish that um, the Lost World movie had focused a bit more and taken more elements from the book. But I do think that it's underappreciated. And I get it. It's not the greatest film. It's not Spielberg's best work. But there is some great Spielberg work in it. Yes. And it's like, like some movies are genuinely just a good time, right? Like we were talking about how a lot of the Friday the 13th movies are genuinely just a good time. You might not. That's Lost World. Exactly. Right. Like you might not get a lot of substance out of it, but you were entertained the whole way through. And that's all that I'm really asking for when I go to see a movie. Exactly. And I can forgive that the Lost World has the plot hole the size of a semi-truck in it (laughs) yes i can forgive the lost world having i don't know not the greatest character moments Mm -hmm. yep yep, but if that leads me all to the t-rex in san uh san francisco yes i'm pretty san francisco yeah if it leads me all to the t-rex scene in san francisco then it would have been worth it absolutely Absolutely. Like, like, again, it's it's just a fun time. There's some cool effects in it. And you just, you have a good time watching it. And that's all that you can really ask. The only reason why I think it's underappreciated is because it's a Jurassic Park movie. And it does not come close to the original. Oh, yeah. And it's that is such a hard original to live up to. Right? Because that have- is the greatest uh, movie of all time. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, and also, like, that movie was so revolutionary for the time, right? Because yeah. think about this movie was made almost 30 years ago. And a lot of the effects hold up, right? Like that T-Rex oh, yeah. is pretty real to me. That Velociraptor scene, it's not scary to me anymore because I know what's happening. But if right, like it, it has those echoes of it, it still has that like tension to it. And you can't say that for a lot of movies. No, for real, it does. And as soon as I said it's the greatest film of all time, I'm like, shit, it's number two. It's my favorite movie of all time. Mm -hmm. But I can think of a film that is greater. In terms of greatness, when I say the word great, I think transformed cinema. Okay, yeah. And Jurassic Park is up there. It truly did transform everything. Oh, yeah. Movies are not the same without Jurassic. We do not get the Avengers without Mm -hmm. Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But we don't get Jurassic Park without Jaws. Yeah, you're right, because that that's another one where, and that's even more challenging, and there is something with Spielberg and animatronics and water, yeah. right? Because you got the <laughs> shot, and then they had all of this these issues with the rain in Jurassic Park making the T-Rex right. often. And so I, I don't know why he kept doing that, but it worked. Like, I'm grateful that he did, and I'm grateful that he wasn't like, the shark was too hard to work with. I'm not doing this anymore. Right. But Jaws changed everything, for better or worse, depending on how you think of it. Yeah. 
but Jaws is, in my humble opinion, actually not that humble. I have a podcast, so not humble at all. No but humility. Jaws, no humility. You can't have humility if you have a podcast. But I really do think Jaws is the greatest film ever made. And like I said, I'm not talking about quality, even though I think it's an amazing quality film. I think it's one of the best movies ever made. That's oh. quality. Oh, yeah. But in terms of influence, mm -hmm. in terms of changing history. Yes. Absolutely. Jaws. Genres, right? Because it wasn't just revolutionary for yes. horror. It created a lot, like the technology that we learned how to work with and the things that we learned how to do brought us to so many other movies and so many other genres. Well, it changed how films were sold. Mm -hmm. It changed our perception of sharks Yep. to the point where sharks were really on a in a bad place. Oh, yeah. And I know. But then, the then we get Shark Week. Author, yes. Well, and I know that the author of the original novel for Jaws felt really, really bad about the impact that the story, yeah. especially because this is one of those instances where the movie is absolutely better than the book. Like this is one of those books. <laughs> don't even bother reading it. Just watch the movie. The movie is better. But he felt so bad about the impact that this story had on sharks that he is now a huge shark conservationist and really does a lot of work oh, yeah. with that, which is incredible. From what I understand, Spielberg feels really bad about yeah. how it represented sharks too. Because they didn't know that people were wow. going to take such a visceral reaction. They thought they were just making a monster movie. Of course, of course. But then you think back to like people getting physically ill watching The Exorcist in the 70s. And it's like, okay, well, the stories that we tell have real world impact, right? Like we, right. just as much as movies are inspired by real life, right? Like we can even think back on Scream and how the whole Gainesville Ripper scenario kind of inspired Kevin Williamson to write this movie. I'm surprised um, we haven't mentioned that yet. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> well, we've been talking about so many things, right? But his, his whole right. thought process was realizing, because I remember reading an interview where he was like, I was looking at my boyfriend and kind of thinking, well, mm -hmm. this is somebody that I love and that I am with all the time and that I trust absolutely. But what if he's not the person that I think he is? And that's sort of what spun, that thought process spun into Billy Loomis right? And that's how we kind of get Scream. And so as much as real world impacts how we tell stories, the stories we tell trickle back into the real world and have real effects. That is such an interesting thought. I love that. Because I love like thinking about this sort of thing, right? I could go on and on and on. So I think we're at number two for your Scream rankings. We are. That is correct. And for number two, I feel like it's kind of predictable because I've already said, like, I'm a sucker for the classics. And so number yeah. two is going to be Scream 4. And, and this is, again, why I kind of say, because I have Scream 5 kind of low right now. I felt the same way about Scream 4 when it came out as I do about Scream 5 right now, where, like, if I had been asked to rank them then, it would be much lower. But I've become really... Mm -hmm geared to it and I really really like the way that they tackled the whole remake thing and it had Jill I love Jill <laughs> <laughs> I have such a nostalgia for Scream 4 because that is one of the first horror movies I saw in theaters oh okay yeah I want to say it was either my third or fourth one 
Okay. Because I was not a big horror fan growing up. I was, but I wasn't, if that makes sense. Gotcha. I was a monster kid. I wasn't a horror kid. And I think there's a difference. I would agree with that. Definitely. Definitely. I'm a horror. I'm clearly a horror fan now. (laughs) But growing up, I was all about Jurassic Park and Jaws and Godzilla and Scooby-Doo and the Mm -hmm. Universal Monsters. And especially when they met up with Abbott and Costello, shout out. Yes. But like Chucky scared me. Freddy scared me. Jason, Ghostface, Michael. Mm-hmm. I remember specifically being terrified of Carrie and the Amityville Horror. Very fair. Very fair. I loved monsters. And growing up, I started to... Alien is like my true horror origin. Okay. Because everything else, like Jurassic Park and Jaws and the Universal Classics, those are the precursors to Alien for okay. me. Mm-hmm. Because like, yes, Jaws is a true horror film, as are the Universal Monsters. Right. But as a kid growing up in the 90s, you could handle, for me at least, I could handle Jurassic Park a bit better than I would have, I don't know, Saw. Yeah. And I think that that's fair, because even thinking back on Jaws, it's not, and and even back on like Halloween, but that's not what we're talking about yet. Um, but <laughs> Jaws had like there was blood and there was some gross stuff in it, but that wasn't the centerpiece as it is, right? Like there wasn't a Casey hanging from a tree, as in Scream. Right. It was more of just the water turns red, and every now and then you see a head pop out of the water or like a limb float away. And so it's a different kind of gore that's a little bit more digestible, I feel like, um, for lack of a better term. I love the pun. Um <laughs> And I think as a kid, you're fascinated at the same time with the creature. Yes. So even though you're scared, you want to learn more about sharks or dinosaurs. Absolutely. Or creatures like Frankenstein's monster or the wolfman. Yes. Because I feel like like I for sure watched Jaws too young, but I, I loved sharks as a kid. And I feel like Jaws was a big part of that. Because I, yes, it was scary, but it wasn't like, I mean, I grew up on Long Island. I was at the beach all the time. (laughs) I was very used to the ocean. And so that was very familiar to me. But so to me, I was kind of like, oh, there's cool things. And I had already, like my grandpa really loved fishing and I would do that with him. (laughs) And so I was interested in ocean life and all that kind, kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, big predator in the water that sounds cool and started researching sharks and getting really into sharks so it's like these weird little gateways that that you would think that it would make me never want to go in the water again and instead it like just really fascinated me because I found the sharks oh for sure that's why it's like when you're a kid you don't exactly know what's going to fascinate you right Mm -hmm. or what's going to terrify you but for me alien is what got me into horror Everything else was a gateway, but Alien was the gate, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that completely makes sense. And Alien is a really good gate to walk through. And Alien is like, it's like Jurassic Park and Jaws and the, and the Universal Classics in the sense that it's a monster. Mm-hmm. But it's a far more visceral film than yes. those other ones. Yes, absolutely. For me, Alien is one of the most claustrophobic one of the most terrifying films 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. And as someone who's not scared of Alien anymore, because I've seen it so many times, I've been watching it since I was 11 or 12, whenever my mom showed it to me, it's still a, like, it gets the heart pumping. Like, it's such a raw film. Yes. And I like that you mentioned the claustrophobia aspect of it, because I feel like that is part of that, like, isolation of these characters is part of what makes it so scary, right? Because obviously we do have the more visceral aspects when they are being attacked and all these different things are happening. But on top of that, you have this tension of they are alone out there, right? And that's kind of what puts you on edge because we don't like that feeling of being trapped. Exactly. And Alien is, I got to stop myself because at the time of this recording, I have released an episode on Alien on the podcast. I have one recorded on the Alien. And then I have one recorded on Alien versus Predator. So (laughs) there is so much Xenomorph love. And there will be more. But this is Ghostface's episode. Yes. And I don't want to talk too much about the Xenomorph. But to bring it back to Ghostface, Green 4, and why I originally went on this tangent, Scream 4 is one of the first horror movies I saw in theaters. Mm -hmm. My mom showed me Scream when I was in early high school. And Scream 4 came out when I was in late high school, 2011. Yep. So I like begged her to take me to go see this movie because I wasn't 17 yet. I can go by myself. That's right. Yeah. And I didn't have to truly beg her because she wanted to see it. But she likes Scream. Right. So, but yeah, she took me. And that was like one of the first horror movies. I think it was the fourth one because I remember her taking me to go see Paranormal Activity in theaters when that came out. And I remember her taking me to see Cloverfield. Okay. But I think the first one would have been Steven Spielberg's War of the Worlds. Okay. All good ones. I think that's the first like horror movie I saw because everything else would have been the Harry Potter movies and like Spider-Man 2 and Jurassic Park 3. Right. Those are other genres, too. Right. Exactly. Like they're not you don't think of Harry Potter and think of horror. But there are horror scenes for sure. Oh, yes, absolutely. Because when that first one came out, 2000, I would have been five, maybe six. 2001, I think. I would have been six or seven. And I remember my mom taking I remember my mom. It was me, my mom, my cousin and my cousin's mom. And we went to go see Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And we got there a little late. So we had to be in the very front row. So mm-hmm. our necks are like cranked yeah, up. Like, and, <laughs> yeah. And I specifically remember Voldemort eating the unicorn or drinking its blood or something. Because mm-hmm. that is a terrifying scene. Yeah. And I think that's one of the like childhood moments that set me on this path to a horror podcast. Um, And I know my mom is listening. So yeah, I remember that. (laughs) (laughs) And it was worth it. No. (laughs) Oh, it's definitely worth it. uh, Because we watch horror movies all the time. So she gave that love to me. Um, Mm -hmm. And Jurassic Park and Jaws are big reasons too. But in but like Spider-Man 2 has that great scene with Doc Ock's arms killing everybody. Mm-hmm. And who's surprised because Sam Raimi is one of the great horror directors in addition to one of the great blockbuster directors. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Scream 4 is one of the first, like, I'd say 
generally accepted as horror because War of the Worlds could go either way, right? War of the Worlds is enough of other things. Yeah. Cloverfield, I think, is a horror movie, but it's also like a kids horror movie too. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely generally accepted as horror. Like that's really the camp that I see it sort of shoved into. And it's intense. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, But, and again, like horror is many things, right? So like not every horror movie is going to look similar. You, you can work within subgenres like Scream does within the slasher subgenre. But even yeah. there, even if it's formulaic, there's still elements, right? Like Scream isn't Halloween, isn't Friday the 13th, all these different things. And Cloverfield is a perfect marriage of found footage mm-hmm. and kaiju. Yep. And it's a very fun film. I actually rewatched it last night. Not, pre- not prepared to bring it up today. Um, <laughs> I just watched it for fun last night. Mm-hmm. and it it holds up i haven't seen it since i saw it in theaters that came out in like 2009 i think 2008 2009 that's right yeah around there and my mom took me to go see that because i love giant monsters i'm a huge godzilla kid it is very fun i think 10 cloverfield lane is a far better movie but mm-hmm. cloverfield is a good movie on its own yeah. i did not see the other one so i can't i can't speak either way towards that one but those are two very good films and what they try to do yeah, absolutely. And then I saw Paranormal Activity, which I guess would be my first undeniable horror movie. Like yeah. no one's arguing that's not a horror movie. No, everybody knew what they were getting. And th- those movies were big for a while. I Are- saw the first four in theaters and then I didn't see the next, I guess it's three. I think they just came out with seven. I haven't seen it yet, but I haven't seen five or six either. So gotcha. But I really enjoyed the first three. I wasn't the biggest fan of the fourth one, but you know, it's been so long. I should probably revisit it. Right. Fresh perspective might change your mind. Right. I wasn't a big fan of it when it came out, but to be honest, I don't even remember what my criticisms would have been. So I have no clue. Maybe it's time to revisit. Exactly. And I know Christopher Landon did it and I'm a big fan of Freaky. Oh yeah. I haven't gotten a chance to watch that one yet. I'm a big fan of that one. I liked Happy Death Day, but it wasn't like my favorite. Mm -hmm. But I thought Freaky was really good. Freaky is like one of my favorites. Yeah. Especially Uh over the past few years. I think it's a great horror comedy with a lot of heart. Mm -hmm. And I think Happy Death Day is a good horror comedy with a lot of heart. I just think Freaky is an improvement in every way for me. Gotcha. Okay. It's not to put disrespect on happy death day i just think christopher landon improved which should be the goal exactly that that should be the case right because i was even talking to somebody about this with um stephen king's books where you can kind Mm -hmm. of if you read one of his older books from the 70s or 80s or even 90s compared to something that he has written recently the same elements are still there right like he's playing in the same sandbox but you see the improvements and like the growth that he has had as a writer. And as creatives, isn't that all that we can ask for is to keep learning and growing our craft as we go. Look at Wes Craven's career. Mm -hmm. He starts off strong out the gate with Last House on the Left. Do I think that's a good movie? I haven't seen it. It's (laughs) as big of a fan of Wes Craven's films that I am. 
that's one that I, I haven't t- gotten to yet. And I'm afraid to get to it because I hear a lot about it. I hear how visceral it is. Yes. And that's one where it's like, I don't know if I want to watch that one. Yeah, I feel like it's one that you really have to be in the headspace to receive that. And that's a very rare headspace to get into, right? Like, right. Because I feel like a lot of people ask me like, well, why do you like horror so much? It's so bloody. It's so gross. It's so violent. And the reality is, is that yes, a lot of the horror that I like does fall in like those descriptors work, but not all horror is like that. And that's kind of what draws me to the genre because I am not always in the mood to receive something that is very bloody and gory. Sometimes I want more quiet horror or something just with a little less blood. Um, Last House on the Left is not that, right? It's you have to be in the mood for it. And even then, blood and gore is very different depending on the tone. Yes. Because a film like Cabin in the Woods is extremely bloody and gory but mm-hmm. I could watch that on a Tuesday afternoon and not yeah. think anything else. Mm-hmm. But a film like Hostel, I have mm-hmm. to be in the right headspace for. Yes. Yeah, because they're kind of using it in, in different ways. And the stories right. are different. Cabin in the Woods is easily a gorier, or at least a bloodier film in terms mm-hmm. of amount of blood. Probably, especially yeah. in the mm-hmm. merman scene. Yes. <laughs> But Hostel has a far different tone and it's just more visceral. It's not played for laughs. You can use blood and gore to great effect for laughs, like Mm -hmm. Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Yes. Has some of the great bloody gags of any horror comedy. Like like it's gross, but it's funny and they're playing into it in that way and it works. And it's very different from these more serious, more intense, bloody, gory movies. And Last House on the Left just based on its reputation is supposed to be extremely visceral, almost real. Mm-hmm. And I just, that's, I haven't gotten to it yet. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's uncomfortable. Cause even like, think, cause I'm trying to think like, well, scream is kind of bloody, but even right. Like we get, I think Casey's is probably the boriest death that we see, at least in the original movie. And the rest are, yes, there's a lot of blood, but it's like on Billy's shirt or spilling out on the floor. Right. We're not really seeing guts hanging out anymore. And so it's not as visceral or uncomfortable to watch as something like Last House on the Left. And it's also has like Scream plays with tone too, right? Because yeah. Scream overall is a pretty funny film. Yes. But those first 10 minutes are like white knuckle intense. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's almost no comedy. Yeah, no, they, they like don't let you take a breath in that opening scene. Right. And it's almost jarring when you get out of that opening scene that you feel like, oh, what did I just get myself into? And then you get the loud 90s music and the high school and all this kind yeah. of stuff going on in the next scene. Right. And it's like, oh, this is the tone. This is where the movie wants to go. We just needed that initial gory death to kind of make us realize what the stakes are exactly and it's and uh, like further that point it's like when you get to the super bloody third act finale mm-hmm. which is amazing and i love it yes sydney Stu, billy gail everyone is drenched in blood mm-hmm. it's just different from 
the opening because the opening is mm-hmm. more violent. It's more cynic, not cynical. It's just there's hope at the end. There's no hope in the opening. Yeah, no, because yeah, no, in, in the opening and like the opening, sometimes I have to like skip past it because it is uncomfortable, right? Like the the part where she's on the ground and you see her perspective yeah. of her parents coming home and she tries to say mom, that like breaks my heart every single time. And I have watched this movie over and over and over again. And there's just something so sickening about watching that happen. And it's so different from the actual ending of the movie where yes, there's still a lot of blood, but the tone is completely different. Right, because you have Matthew Lillard saying stuff like, let's face it, Sid, your mom was no Sharon Stone. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, right? And, and all this kind of stuff. It's still disturbing. Like, mm-hmm. the fuck, you raped and killed the mom, and you're yeah. going to say that? Yes, yeah. In the moment, it's funny, but if you unpack it, it's like, fuck. Oh, yeah. If you really sit Holy back shit. about <laughs> what Philly and Stu did as, right, like these are just two teenage boys and what they did throughout the course of that movie and before the events that we hear yeah. about and actually see, it's sinister. And, and this could be a very different movie if they had played into those darker themes. And it's like one of the funniest lines for me is also one of the scariest. And it's when Stu is like, my mom and dad are going to be so mad at me. And it's like, it's funny. And it (laughs) always plays for laughs. But it's horrifying to me because he doesn't care about the multiple people he killed or their lives he ruined. He just cares because he's going to be grounded. Yes. And and I think that it also kind of plays into, and and I think that they do this with Amber a little bit as well in the new movie, but it kind of reminds you that he's a kid, right? Like he has done all of these horrible things, but at the end of the day, he's not even thinking I'm going to get arrested, right? Like the police are going to come and arrest me and I'm going to go to jail for the rest of my life. The thing that he thinks about is my mom and dad are going to be so mad because that's horrifying. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that disconnect is so scary. I guess I should get back to your scream rankings, but I'm pretty sure we already talked about your first one at length. Yeah, right. I mean, you can't beat the original, right? Yeah, no, for sure. Sydney says it herself. Don't fuck with the original. Another reason why Scream 4 is pretty high up there. Yep. But Scream is just the sequels are great. There is no bad film I want among them but that first film just it changed horror yeah it absolutely did and it changed comedy Mm -hmm. (laughs) because without scream you don't get scary movie Mm -hmm. and scary movie directly impacted the comedy genre for years oh yeah And, and even think about that right because scary movie is almost i mean scream's not quite a parody but it almost is and so when we get yeah. to scary movie, we've got a parody of a parody of slasher movies, right? We've right. got like this whole crazy down the line to tracing all the way back to Halloween and Texas Chainsaw Massacre and all this kind of stuff. The only difference between Scream and Scary Movie is tone. Oh, yeah. Because mm-hmm. Scream is a parody. Yeah. But it wants to be a horror movie first and it succeeds. Exactly. 
Whereas Scary Movie is more than a parody. It's a spoof. Mm-hmm. And Scary yeah. Movie wants to be a comedy first. It has no interest in being scary. Exactly. Whereas Scream at least wants to paint the walls red. Yes. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's so fun, right? Because it kind of, it's very self-aware. But thinking of it even yeah. beyond the movie being self-aware of the genre, it's Wes Craven being self-aware of himself, right? It's like this self-reflection of making yeah. references to Freddy Krueger and different things like that. I think one of the lines from Tatum is talking about how this looks like some Wes Carpenter movie, right? Like this kind right. of exacerbating about and kind of poking fun at how all these movies are very, very similar in this mashup of Wes Craven and John Carpenter and how Wes Craven is very comfortable kind of poking fun at himself in that way. And he gives himself a little bit line because a, a little bit of love because there's a line in the opening where Drew Barrymore it's like Ghostface like Freddy Krueger isn't that the guy with knives for fingers mm-hmm. and Drew Barrymore is like yeah I, I'm getting it wrong but Ghostface is just like I like the first one it was scary exactly. and Drew Barrymore is like yeah but the rest sucked <laughs> exactly and and that's what I love about it too because I think as artists, we do kind of get in our own heads sometimes and take ourselves a little bit seriously. And it's really refreshing to see someone as accomplished as Wes Craven, especially at that point in time, was being able to poke fun at himself and be like, hey, I made this really cool thing. And then these other things that kind of followed suit, but weren't as good. And he dresses up as Freddy. (laughs) It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. It's one of my favorite has, like, movies. And he has like, yeah, he has a little cameo. Can we talk about the meta aspect? Scream, already super meta. Casting the Fonz as your principal. Yes. yes. You don't get much more meta than that. It's so good. It's so, so good. And like I, the whole movie is just, I love it so much. And I think that original has one of the most mean-spirited, tiniest moments in any film I've ever seen. And I love it so much. Because Wes Craven does not make too many mean-spirited decisions. Mm-hmm. But there is one, one moment which I think is one of the most mean-spirited things I've ever seen in a film. Henry Winkler, the Fonz, as Principal Henry, he gets killed. And it's a little overdramatic, but whatever. I'm down for it. There's this really cool shot of Ghostface and his pupil. And it's such a dramatic dramatic part. And the music is super dramatic. And then it just cuts to an establishing shot. And uh, they're playing over the speakers. Uh, School's Out by Alice Cooper. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, yes. It's so good. And that like that one shot of like Ghostface reflected in his eye is like one of the best yeah. shots of the movie. And then you get that like hard cut to Alice Cooper. Our principal's dead. We're, yeah. we're... <laughs> School's out. Yep, we're done. <laughs> and it's so mean spirited, but it is yeah. the dark humor that Scream love like just revels in. Yes. Yeah. And it, it's and part I think of that's franchise work, right? Because like if we yeah. don't have these sort of dark jokes, then what are we commenting on? And it's I think that's another difference between Scream and Scary Movie. Mm-hmm. Because Scary Movie doesn't have dark humor. No. 
No, it's straight comedy. Right. Scream has a like Stu Mocker's line. Let's face it, Cindy. Your mom was no Sarah and Stone. Mm-hmm. That is dark humor. Yes. And it like makes you feel bad for laughing, but it's delivered so well that how can you not? Right. And Scream is very, very good at that. Mm-hmm. As a writer, what do you think about Scream? Just from a screenwriting standpoint? Um, from a screenwriting standpoint, I kind of feel like, and I'm obviously biased because this is one of my favorite movies and Wes Craven has been a big influence on my own work, but Scream kind of mm-hmm. feels like a masterclass in pacing because there's never a point where the action is so low that you get bored or forget what's yeah. going on or forget what's important, right? Because even the quieter moments or the moments that don't seem as important matter. And it's all used to tie together with the last scene and the next scene that's coming up, right? Like it's it's so well paced. And even like, I love the characterization. That's one of the things that I have always adored about Scream and something that I think it benefits from coming after all of these golden age slashers is that it's able to take the tropes that those slashers laid out, right? We've got our final girls and our masked killers and all that kind of stuff and expand upon them in a really, really meaningful way. And on top of that, like the cast's performance decisions and all that kind of stuff added to it. But I think just the meat of what is on the paper is really, really strong in terms of characterization, pacing, all that kind of stuff. And if you want to learn how to write horror and you want to learn how to write self-aware horror, watch Scream and learn from Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson. I love that. I want to give you a hard one, a hard question. If you were, if you were tapped to make a Scream movie, Mm -hmm. what would your story tackle or satirize thematically? So for example, the original just tackles slashers. Mm -hmm. Number two, tackles sequels. Three tackles trilogies and trauma. Mm -hmm. Four, I would say tackles the social media age and remakes, reboots. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the new one tackles toxic fandom, elevated horror, and the requel. Mm -hmm. So if you got Scream... Well, Scream 6 is in the works right now, but Scream 7, let's just say. Right. What are what would you try to satirize or make a meta commentary on? That's a really good question. I kind of feel like, and perhaps this is just kind of me falling back on things that I already sort of explore um, within mm-hmm. my own work, um, but I would really love to dig a little bit deeper into the trauma aspect because two absolutely does that, right? Like we get this, we learn how the events of the first film come back to Sydney and kind of influence her life. And we get that throughout the franchise, but I don't think that there's enough focus on, she's probably really messed up, right? Like, yeah. and I, I would really love to explore that kind of mental health aspect specifically for Sydney Gale Dewey. Um, obviously I can't really do Dewey anymore, but if I could bring him back, because there's even one thing, something that has always kind of bothered me as a sibling who has lost a sibling is that Dewey never got a chance to talk about 
Tatum ever, mm-hmm. right? Like he, he lost a sister and we never really tackle that until we see her earn in Scream 5. And I think that that's something that I would really like to kind of pick apart because at the end of the day, yes, we're making meta comments on horror itself, but we can kind of pull back and think about these characters as real people and how is all of this really affecting them. And I would love to kind of deep dive into that sort of thing. Even bringing it back into Scream 5, like I really love the sibling relationship between Sam and Tara because I feel like, and even Mindy and Chad, because we don't get to kind of get to those sibling relationships. And I just wish we'd had that with Dewey because I would have loved to see that represented in a way. But yeah, with the siblings, now you can explore, because you don't have that opportunity with Dewey anymore. Mm-hmm. But you can explore with Sam and Tara and with the twins. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming Scream 6 is going to kill off one of the twins. I, I would assume so. Because the fact that like we had two sets of siblings, right? We've got like two families. And the fact that they're still both intact at the end kind of spells out something's bad. Something bad is going to happen to somebody. Yeah. And like, and it's going to hurt more if you do it in the next one, because you're going to get more moments. Because we love them, right? And like, we've already right. come to love them because they're all, all four of them are really strong characters and very likable characters. And so just like with Brandy, we didn't want to see him get killed off, but he did, right? Exactly. And I don't know what the what Scream is going to do in the future. Mm-hmm. But they're at a point where they don't need to bring Sydney or Gale back. No, they don't. And that's something that scares me a little bit because I can't mm-hmm. imagine Scream without them. And even looking now, right, because when it got greenlit for another movie, I kind of figured it would because yeah. Halloween did. Like we're kind of we're rolling back into these old franchises, right? And and Scream made a bunch of money without and Scream made a bunch of money without, um, what's the word I'm looking for? All the, op- with all these obstacles in the way, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because I had a deal with Spider-Man No Way Home and I had a deal with Spider-Man No Way Home and I had a deal with uh, Omnicron. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and it was still so successful. And so it makes sense that they would want to make another movie. And I know that Nev Campbell is waiting on it again. Like she's not automatically signing up she wants to read the script and make sure that it's still in line with what this movie did and I'm almost wondering like if she doesn't sign on do I really want to go see it is it still going to be a scream movie without Sydney right and that's a fair no that's a fair worry but on the other hand it's like can Sydney rest I know can she live the rest of her life I almost part I mean part of me agrees with you where it's like she needs to be in it or else it won't be a screen movie right but part of me is just like can she raise her kids can she live that's it can she just live like literally all she's ever wanted was to just have a normal quiet life and she keeps getting dragged back into this shit like just we can give Sydney a break but I, I still feel like, and maybe that's just the traditionalist in me, because I think of like my dad not really loving Halloween kills. And there's definitely issues with Halloween kills, but I had a grand mm-hmm. old time. Like it was just a yeah. fun Michael Myers slasher movie, but he's thinking of it in terms of like the movies that he grew up loving. 
And so I kind of understand that aspect from this perspective with the Scream franchise. For all that I'm saying this, I would probably give it a shot because who would I be if I did not go see a new Scream movie? Um, but I, I do have reservations. <laughs> and that's, yeah, for sure. But I think they knocked it out of the par- park with this one. So I have good faith in them. I think they know what they're doing. And I want them to take risks. I want them to see what works and what doesn't because that's what Scream does. Absolutely. I'd rather them take a risk and fail than try and then try and do what they think is safe because that is a true failure for Scream. Yeah, I agree. Because even Scream 3, as much of it doesn't work for me, Mm -hmm. it tries a lot of new things. It really does. And and it accomplishes most of what it wants to accomplish, right? Like we're talking movies and we're bringing in all these elements and we've got a lot of the staples that make a Scream movie a Scream movie. And so I think that if they, you're absolutely right, right? Like if they couched it and tried to play it safe, that's not Scream anymore. Exactly. The only thing I would be truly upset about is if they killed off Sydney, because that would be, I think, a disservice. It would be. I love Gail, but Gail could go and it'd still be a good movie. Because Gail is kind of, and Sydney is this unique final girl where she's not really the final girl, right? Like, in every movie, there right. is somebody else standing with her. And it could make sense to kill off Gale as much as I don't want it to happen. I also didn't want Dewey to die, but sometimes legacy characters have to die. I don't, I'm not in charge of those decisions right now. But I think that I would rather see Gale get killed off and see Sydney placed in this like true final girl position than kill off Sydney because I think that killing off Sydney kills off the spirit of this franchise. And I agree with that. And to kind of look at the Star Wars sequels for a second, who killed off all three of the legacy characters. Mm-hmm. I think, and this is, I like the sequels, by the way. Mm-hmm. I I enjoy them, especially Last Jedi. I think Last Jedi is a work of art. It's good. It's really good. And Force Awakens was really good, but I think Force Awakens kind of hindered the trilogy by killing off Han Solo. Yeah, I feel like it was too early. And it would have been different had Luke been a part of Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But instead, they kill off the heart. And you could argue Luke is the heart of Star Wars. Right. But I think with Force Awakens, the heart transfers to Han Solo. Yeah. Yeah, with the way that and, he's used in yeah, Absolutely. And Luke doesn't really... He doesn't become the heart... Or at least he doesn't become the heart in The Last Jedi. He becomes a soul. Mm-hmm. And he gets that ultimate redemption at the end of Last Jedi, which is beautiful. Mm-hmm. But you're still missing your heart, who was Han. Yes. Yeah. Last Jedi can't do anything with that. Rise mm-hmm. of Skywalker can't do anything with that, even though it does have that nice moment with Kylo or Ben, I should say, kind of talking to the memory of his father. Mm-hmm. But I guess Han Solo and Dewey are similar in that respect. Yeah, absolutely. But And I think that there's kind of, um, because Dewey really is the heart, like if we're looking at this Survivors trio, right, we've got this like golden yeah. trio of the Scream franchise and Dewey kind of is the heart of that because that's just the role that they've always given him right he's always been very endearing he's always been very he feels very deeply he's very empathetic and everything that he has done 
has been to help other people. Because even in his last moments, yeah. he was like, oh, wait, I'm going against the rules. You have to get the head or else they come back. And he was correct, right? Because Amber got up. And so she would have kept coming after them anyway. I forgot where I was going with this. It's kind of, it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think it made me a little bit happier though, because I feel like we get a lot of movies, um, particularly like action movies and things like that, where female characters are killed off for male characters growth. And so it was kind of mm -hmm. nice to see that reversed because that's sort of what Scream does is kind of flip things on their head. And so here it was yeah. Dewey dying, one to bring in Sydney because how else do we get her there when she said, no, I'm staying the fuck away from Woodsboro. Um, and two, we get um, these really, really intimate moments between Gail and Sydney and just for Gail herself. Right. Because this is the first time in the franchise where Sydney and Gail or the duo. Mm -hmm, exactly. Because they start off as enemies, basically. Yeah. Then kind of uneasy alliances in two where they're not quite friends, mm -hmm. but they're, they know they're on the same side. In Scream 3, when Sydney and Dale, um, Sydney and Gail meet for the first time, you could see in Sydney's face, it's like, do I hug you or do I punch you? Right. Like, how do I feel about you right now? Right. Um, and it's, throughout the rest of the franchise, when if you think of them as duos, it's either Sydney and Dewey, this person that she has known probably yeah. her whole life because she and Tatum were best friends. So you assume that she's always been around Dewey or Dewey and Gail because we had this whole back and forth romantic relationship. It was never right. Sydney. We finally get that here. Because like in Scream 4, they're clearly friends. Mm -hmm. But they haven't scales a bit jealous of Sydney's book career. Yes. And they're almost like they're reluctant friends almost, right? Because there's um, this kind of constant in these sorts of stories where you go through certain ordeals together and you can't not be friends or can't not at least right. feel something towards that other person. And by Scream 4, Sydney and Gail have been through this three times already. And so even though they're not they're not hugging like they do in Scream 5. We get this, like, I acknowledge you. We are more than acquaintances. We're kind of friends, and I care about what happens to you. Right. So Scream 4 is definitely a good step. Mm -hmm. But Scream 5 is like, okay, they are the duo now. Yes. They actually do stuff together now, mm -hmm. which in Scream 4, they didn't do anything together. Right. Until, until the very end. Yeah, exactly. They were separated for most of it. And then we get that hospital scene, which is also incredible. Right. And I love that scene. Mm -hmm. But in Scream 5, it's when it's like, that's when they're trying to get Sam to be like, hey, let's kill this motherfucker. Mm -hmm. They're like, we know what's going on and you have to trust us. And, and I don't blame Sam for being like, mm, no, I'm leaving. Right. You can't really right. blame her for that, because I feel like I would probably do the same thing if somebody were threatening to attack me and my sister. Uh, I would be like, oh, right, yeah, we're we're out of here. Like, we're just going to go. Um, but Sydney and Gail know what they're talking about. So maybe we listen to them because they've done this four times. Right. They might know what the, I think one of them wrote the book on this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they talk about that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a Scream franchise hot take? Ooh, okay. 
here, here's the thing. I don't know which opinions of mine are hot takes or not because mm -hmm. I just, I don't like getting involved in like the fandom drama and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and so I kind of just have my own little opinions that I keep to myself or like talk to friends about, but I'm not, I'm never really like involving myself in those like sorts of arguments. Um, You're about to. I know, I know, which is okay. <laughs> Fine, we all have to branch out eventually. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Because I feel like Scream 3 is a good movie actually is something that the fandom has, is like pushing forward. And that sort of used to be yeah. a hot take that I had because people would really kind of trash on that one. Um, but it's good. And we're all kind of finally acknowledging that. I think that Randy was killed off when he was supposed to be killed off. I know that there's a lot of people that kind of were upset with that, but I think that it worked. Mm -hmm. okay. I don't know if it's a hot take or not, but. I mean, I don't think I have any Scream franchise hot takes, if I'm being honest. So that's a hard <laughs> one. Right? It really, really is because they're all pretty quality. I wouldn't change any of them, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people are like, the Scream 4 alternate cut would have been better. And I'm like, maybe. But right. it never happened. Exactly. And like, Scream 4 is good as it is. So why even debate it? Yeah. Like, okay, if we, if we could have had a better version of an already good movie, do I really need the better version? I'm happy with what I have. Right, because I don't know any better. Mm -hmm. And it's like, is this... For me, it's just like the what if scenario, why bother? Right, exactly. Because it's like, unless you're going to tell me that that exists as like a director's cut and I can go watch it and compare for myself, that's one thing. But if we're just talking in hypotheticals, there's something that you can change in probably every single one of these movies that might make it better and might make it worse. It's all, it's, it's just too speculative. And I know fans have like taken the deleted scenes and edited them into the full movie. Yeah. And like, now here's the real cut. But I'm like, it's not because Wes didn't do that. A exactly. fan did. Like Wes took From it good intentions. For a reason, right? Like even if he yeah. didn't necessarily want to, he would have fought, I assume he would have fought for the things he really wanted to keep in. And so anything that got left on the cutting room floor was kind of supposed to be there. It's fun bonus content, but it doesn't need to be in the movie. And like, sure, he probably lost a lot of those battles. Mm -hmm. That's fair to say. Yeah. And maybe the film that came out wasn't the film he wanted, mm -hmm. but neither was a fan at it. Mm -hmm. He didn't do that. Right. That was not his choice. So either way, he didn't get his choice. Maybe that's my hot take. There you go. There's a hot take. <laughs> Do you have a favorite ghost face kill? Ooh, okay. There's a lot to pick from. But I feel like, and just for pure creativity, Tatum's. Ooh. Tatum's death is like, like it just, it made me look at garages very differently for the rest of my life. <laughs> and it's just, there's something that even though you don't even really see anything happen, just sort of hearing the crack of her like hitting the top is very visceral in and of itself. And so it's uncomfortable, right. creative, it's unique. Um, and, and I have always just found it really fascinating.
Do you have any favorite toys or merchandise from Scream? I don't. I don't really have any Scream merchandise. Um, I, I'm a collector of weird things. Um, I, I kind of gather, like I save every single wine cork and like beer bottle cap. And so I'm like, I'm like a weird little crow or I'm just, I want these odd little shiny things for my collection. Um, but I don't really have a lot of like horror memorabilia. Eventually I want to have like mm -hmm. an office that's like decked out in all that stuff, but that's going to be down the line when I'm settled more permanently somewhere. For sure. That's goals for me too. Mm -hmm. I do have one of the screen posters from the new movie. Oh, awesome. And I have a Ghostface Funko Pop, which okay. the Ghostface Funko Pop's hard to find. Yes. It's an older one. So the fact that I have one, I'm very pleased. Yes, as you should be. Those guys are hard to come by. Yeah. So, and I'm sure they'll make another one because money. But I have one of the like the first ones. Mm -hmm. So that definitely makes I do have a fair amount of scream merch. I guess it's time that we talk. If you were to encounter Ghostface, would you die? Well, and I guess the follow up question is which Ghostface? Fuck. Uh, <laughs> you know what? Just for consistency. Let's go with Billy and Stu. I feel like I could take Billy because he's kind mm -hmm. of calculated. So it would almost be like playing chess, right? So as long as I can like predict what he's going to do, I can at least get away, far enough away to like get help or something. Um, but Stu's a little more unhinged. And even though he's clumsier and I could use that against him, I feel like that just energy might overpower me a little bit. Because Stu definitely has a strength. Yes, absolutely. And like, I am a tiny person. Yeah. And so like, I, I took jujitsu when I was a kid, but I stopped that when I was like 13. So like, I know how to fight a little bit and I know how to like use my strengths and someone else's weaknesses. But I feel like if it was a heat of the moment kind of thing, I could take Billy. I am not so sure about Stu. Well, you need to go back into those classes so you could take two Stu. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know Sydney has taken classes over the course of the films. Because oh, she's absolutely. kicking ass in Scream 4. Yes. Yes. And she and she kicks ass in all of the movies. Mm -hmm. But in the original trilogy, well, you know, I, I'd say in the first two, it's more like raw kicking ass. I think by the time Scream 3 comes around. She's like, no, I've taken some lessons because like Roman is far bigger and far stronger than she is. And she goes toe to toe with him like. Like it's nothing. Oh, yeah, she holds her own. And like you can tell the difference, yeah. right? Because like the, the original scream is literally just her working off of instinct and just pure willpower to survive. And we see right. like all of her strengths of that. She is very resourceful and she has all of these skills that help her do that. But her fighting is not as refined as it becomes in later movies. And I think Scream 3 is where it becomes apparent. Scream mm -hmm. 4 is like, okay, she's been doing this for years. Yeah. Scream 5, she's bored with the new ghost faces. 
Exactly. She's like, all right, um, I'm tired. Can we all just stop this? Right. So it's like, you kill my friend. You're dying now. Yep. No more debate. Like, no, no bullshit. So you would not survive Ghostface is what you're saying, though. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. You're I, not I, a Sydney. I, I would love to be a Sydney. But as much as I adore her, I feel like I would be one. Maybe I would make it to the sequel, right? Maybe I would get a little luckier than Tatum and just kind of luck out and get away from Stu. But I feel like I would be among those killed at the party. Here's here's my thing. I know the horror tropes. Mm -hmm. I clearly I have a fucking podcast about it. (laughs) I ask everyone, would you die? The xenomorph. The Leatherface, God fucking Zilla, like Norman, you know, like Norman Bates, like I'm talking about all these different monsters. How wouldn't I survive Ghostface? Mm -hmm. I'd get cocky. Yep. I'd see Ghostface. I'd be like, please, Mr. Ghostface, I want to see the sequel. Mm -hmm. And then I would die. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I feel like. I feel like because I know all the moves of Ghostface, I'm going to trip up and he's going to take advantage because let's be real. Tatum was winning. Oh, absolutely. Tatum was kicking Ghostface's ass. Yes. And Ghostface got lucky. Mm -hmm. Well, and I feel like the plan was like he wouldn't have followed her into the garage if not to kill her because she was so close to Sydney. And they knew that they couldn't get Sydney if Tatum was around, right? So like, no matter right. what she did in that scenario, she probably would have died, but she had a decent shot of getting away. And the fact that she was doing it by getting through that cat door was what sealed her fate, right? If she had just been a little bit quicker, she would have lived. She was doing the thing, mm-hmm. but yep. it was just basically luck was on Ghostface's side. Yeah. And Ghostface just being opportunistic. Exactly. So, yeah. When it comes to Ghostface, we would die. Don't answer the phone. (laughs) No, I don't anyway. I have anxiety. (laughs) So I think it'd be pretty safe then. (laughs) Yes. He would just, it would just be Ghostface on the other end, like, this bitch won't pick up. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You'd be fine. Yeah. All right. Do you have any final scream thoughts? Um, no, I just think it's, I just love it. Obviously, because we've talked for hours about it. Um, I think it's a really, really special franchise. Um, I, it's inspired me a lot in my own work. And I'm just really grateful that Wes Craven decided to take a shot on this script. I am too. I, it's one of my favorite films ever made. Definitely one of my favorite scary movies. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's iconic. It's fantastic. It's a masterclass in writing and directing and horror. And Scream is just amazing. And I hope many more people pick Ghostface because I will talk about Scream all day, every day. Yes. So what's coming up in the future for you? What do you want to plug? Where can people find you? Um, yeah, so I am across the internet, just at Lex Veranic, pretty much everywhere. Um, I'm mostly on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I have a Facebook, but it's kind of 
just reposts from Instagram. Um, and you can find all <laughs> events and everything on my website, uh, lexbranick.com, which was just revamped. So there's some new content on there. Awesome. So it's great having you on. Great talking about Ghostface. We definitely talked for a long time. So thank yeah. you for indulging me in my Ghostface uh, love. Really. No, thank you so much. This was so much fun. Thank you for listening to this week's and last week's episode. I hope you enjoyed the two-parter on our beloved Ghostface and Scream franchise amongst a plethora of other horror subjects. And I have a feeling Lex will be on the show very, very soon. Like, yeah, she'll she'll be a recurrer. Check out her website for sure, LexVranick.com. I'll post a link in the description. Have you ever tried your hand at writing like my good friend Lex? Well, to write well, you need to be able to, you know, well, to write well, you need to catch up on your reading. And thanks to my sponsor, Audible, reading is easier than ever. Audiobooks is just reading through a different sense. It's still books if you think about it. In addition to audiobooks, you can find thousands of podcasts and more in spoken word entertainment. I personally love having my own collection of books, but I simply don't have the time to read them. And I'm, you know, going to start running out of shelf space soon. However, with Audible, I finally However, with Audible, I finally have the time to catch up on books and do my horror research. Multitasking is our friend. Visit audibletrial.com/woodyoudieshow for a 30-day free trial. You even get a free audiobook. So once again, that is audibletrial.com/woodyoudieshow for a 30-day free trial. If you like what you heard, please rate, share, and subscribe. It'll help this podcast grow, and those of you listening now can brag to your friends on how you're a fan from the beginning. You can find the show's social media on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Would You Die Show. Feel free to talk to me on there, let me know what you think of the show, and give me any suggestions on what you might want to hear. You can find the Would You Die YouTube show on Three Wise Men Media YouTube channel, where you can find professional wrestling, trailer reviews, and much, much more. The music you hear in the beginning and end of each episode is composed by my friend, Josie Palmer. Next week's episode, we're bringing back our first returning guest, and we are talking about Ty West's ex. So heads up, going to be a lot of spoilers next week. Check out that film if you can. You have been warned. Tune in next week when we talk about that spooky film and much, much more. Until then, I'm Austin Torres. Try not to die.